Hello there. My name is Gareth Long and I'm the Communications Coordinator for the Faculty of Arts, Humanities and Social Sciences at ARU. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing some of our students, alumni and academic and technical staff to explore their experiences of education, their career paths and their advice for anyone hoping to work in the same field. In this episode, I talk with Julia Johnson, one of the course leaders for our BA Honours Photography and a professional photographer with a focus on mental health and marginalised communities. We cover the visual significance of the Black Lives Matter coverage, the difficulties of critically analysing students' subjective expression, and a toolkit she has developed for the therapeutic use of photography. This interview was originally recorded in March 2021, when the UK was still under national lockdown because of the coronavirus pandemic. So with no further ado, let's get on with the podcast. Okay, um, I am Julia Johnson. I am the co-course leader of the BA Photography Programme. I um, run a major first-year practice-based module at Anglia Ruskin, and I also oversee uh, the text studies element across a number of um, the Cambridge School of Art courses, and my specialism is in photographic theory. Um, I'm also an Arts Humanity Research Council funded PhD researcher with uh, University of Arts London, um, and I've worked with the NHS on that on that research. Um, and I'm a documentary photographer and a wedding photographer. And your background has always been photography. Is that what you studied at university? And it is, um, but I look more now at the kind of disciplinary aspects of how the arts as a more holistic entity supports uh, communities who are marginalised or stigmatised and as a therapeutic tool within my research and and that also supports other kind of uh, burgeoning courses at Cambridge School of Art. Is there any one thing, and this could be a piece of art, design or other media, uh, or a personal event or a historical event even, that's inspired you to do what you do now Um, and, and I guess both from an Anglia Ruskin teaching photography perspective and, and also from your, your projects with um, people like ethnic minorities and, and the, the travellers in particular, I noticed was an interesting one. Yeah, I think all kind of um, experiences are kind of personal um, and certainly my own challenges with education as a young person have led me into want to, wanting to be a teacher. So um I had a very kind of uh, jilted educational uh, history moving around the Middle East when I was young and um, with as someone with dyslexia um, and and with my own experiences of mental health. So they have um, certainly informed my interest in teaching in a way that is holistic, in a way that is meaningful and authentic to young people nowadays. Uh, And they also, uh, I suppose, one of the reasons for my interest in different diverse communities is having also been someone that has moved around a lot around the world um, and therefore experienced some of the advantages of that, but also some of the difficulties with feeling like an outsider, which photography is you know you are the the ultimate outsider in a sense that kind of looks in so yeah so it's aligned but also you know photography is a great way of communicating when 
you feel you haven't got a voice or when you feel unconfident. And I think it's a great tool for relearning um, as we do in the, the post compulsory education field that we all operate in now. So do you have any, um, let's see, photographic inspirations as in um, photographers themselves, anybody who's inspired you, I guess? Um, yeah, I, I mean, very, very much so. Um, yes, so let's have a think. So, I mean, one of my favourite uh, first photographers that I came across that really inspired me was Cindy Sherman. And, and I loved the way that she and other photographers um, that I was interested at the young age of 18 um, were able to kind of reveal critical truisms that were present but that weren't accounted for in the mainstream so Cindy Sherman took what was mainstream in her film stills and in these kind of female characters and actually revealed some of the problems with how those characters affected female audiences and and how they supported the male gaze in cinema so yeah so there, there's a lot of ways in which I feel that photography kind of shows an alternative view of the world which is which is present but not revealed um, in other ways. It's interesting that a visual culture can manage that given its problematic legacy as well in terms of its colonial history and its its the troubling context that it that it resides within. Um, but I feel like some of the work that we're seeing now is kind of an anecdote to that, which is interesting as well from a theoretical point of view. Some of the modern photography work, you mean, that's coming out? Yeah, I think some of the kind of ways in which photography is used now and how it operates, um, for example, online as part of a networked um, sort of being or sense of being. And um, some very, very interesting writers said uh, recently that uh, these are, this is a Goldsmith uh, College writer uh, called Fisher and Ruben Steen from University of the Arts, that, that actually we need now a sort of beyond, you know, to representation and this idea that we don't actually know what a photograph is anymore. So I think we're in this very unique territory in terms of um, its role in conflict and its role in civil rights. Uh, it is, you know, it's a very, very powerful tool that sort of has been sort of moved away from the elite to a more kind of community-based um, space. And, you know, our students, um, you know, this, this can provide real challenges for our students, uh, but it's also very, very important to sort of be aware of that as academics and think about how the industry is changing and what, what the student needs are in, in this sort of new paradigm, if you like. Do you think there's any danger of the actual object of the photograph becoming undervalued because it's so used nowadays? I think, yeah, it's 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 certainly that there is that that sense that it, it that we now have photographers in places in the world that are able to capture things and events and phenomena with uh, tools that are now readily accessible and that look very good, that look very compelling. So it, it questions what the role of photographers is in, in these contexts. And I think it, in a sense, it's looking at that, that ever evolving industry in new ways and think, thinking about what students' needs are. But it's also about recognising that photography is a catalyst for many, many other industries and subjects and portfolio careers. 
Um, but yes, I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly a unsettling time as well as a interesting time and a time where, you know, there's new advantages and new possibilities for what photographers can do in industry. What single piece of advice would you give your younger self? I think um, believe in yourself. I think that confidence is something that young people, you know, it's their greatest kind of uh, challenge is, is this their sense of self-confidence. And hopefully that's something that we also develop. And hopefully we offer something that actually, whilst assessment is, of course, important, that we're looking more for kind of a a personalised experience for our students. Did you feel that your own, that sounds like you had slightly nomadic lifestyle when you were younger, Did, was was that a bit of a barrier when it came to actually um, settling in a school and building up your own confidence? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I didn't really start to enjoy being a human being <laughs> until I was about 18 and that's when I found photography and I was able to learn about the world through that practice um, but yes certainly I think education can trigger um, a lot of um, negativity for young people and I suppose that but it was doing that for me for a while because I can't say that I've come from a really underprivileged background or anything like that I was very lucky in lots of ways my parents were always very supportive but I just think education when it's when it's very stilted um, and fractured um, it, it can be a real burden for young people and uh, I think that was my greatest impetus for becoming a teacher was to hopefully help different types of young people and recognise some of their issues and help them meet their potential when perhaps they they themselves have doubt in their own potential. Uh, so, yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's very important to me. I'm big, very passionate about that area of teaching. What was the most valuable thing you took away from your education? Um, I think in terms of my post compulsory education, my kind of from 18 onwards, the, the thing that I've taken away is on a um, emotional level uh, is to sort of never give up, always try again, always never, never see, realise that great achievements involve quite a number of what might be perceived as failures to begin with. Um, and then on a on a more practical level, I think um, you know, don't ever forget about the technicians. I would say they are always the backbone. If you can be decent to the technicians and respectful, they will always support you and and give you so much. So yeah, so remember they're the backbone of any department. I would say. <laughs> so this is the technicians uh, specifically at a university and yes, yes. Photography technicians, yeah, yeah, number of them. And if you can buy them a bottle of wine once in a while or a box of chocolates, they will be, you know, they, they if you can show them respect, they'll always help you. <laughs> Which is important because they're not always showing respect, and it's uh, very silly when students don't show them respect. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had a couple of interviews with some of our technical staff recently and it's fascinating some some of the work that they've done in the past and the people they've worked with it's incredible isn't it yeah they're really they're really um a very important asset of the cambridge school of art and of any department i think at universities for sure what do you think the future of photography and, and particularly 
university photography courses is going to look like, say, in over the next 10 years, how you think it's going to change and develop? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the on a practical level, um, the student needs are uh, ever-evolving, particularly at this kind of very dynamic time. Economically, there are sort of challenges that that are experienced by the students on a really quite dramatic level and working with them gives you insight into that. But it's still quite surprising some of the time, the stuff that you hear from them in terms of their their social, cultural, economic um, experiences um, in terms of being a young man or being a young woman, as well as the relationship they have with the with the spe- subject's specialism. Um, so on a practical level, I think that in the near future, you know, and it's something that we're all pushing for, uh, thinking about how projects uh, can be aligned more with live client-based outcomes, making connections with industry and thinking about how students can develop portfolio skills, not just within the kind of photography as a unit of experience, the photograph being the unit of experience, but thinking about the holistic approach to photography where it is one of the central skills used to uh, develop students portfolio so that they come out with with graduate capital there one student for example has has just uh, been offered a position as a medical photographer for the nhs so you know it's looking at various sort of diverse fields within that and really supporting them individually on that level but on a theoretical level i think it comes back to that that whole idea of what the image actually means, that it's impossible to describe what a photograph actually is within the network culture that we we now live in. And, you know, and it that, that obviously associates with these kind of challenges and opportunities of citizenship photography. Um, and whilst that is a, a I suppose, a, a danger to wanting to take career international uh documentary policy international policy affecting projects working with citizens is a really um broadening scope of opportunity so working in participatory fields um working with subjects or uh, tools like photo voice or photo elicitation um and one of the ways in which one of the most interesting ways in which i've seen these kind of uh sort of changing visualities um, being demonstrated is in the recent Black Lives Matter protests. Um, And so when that awful tragedy of George Floyd's death occurred, uh, as as the managing director of the International Centre of Photography said, we saw the streets go from empty to full suddenly in the photographs. And the way in which the one, one particular interesting signifier that I noticed was the way in which the Black Lives Matter face masks were were utilised and they would sentiments such as I can't breathe or there are two viruses indicating the systemic issues with racism as well as the pandemic. That Black Lives Matter protest, the virus at that time, was an incredibly poignant demonstration of how images are kind of taking on different forms and visual signifiers are functioning in different ways in, a, in this sort of theoretical context. So I think, you know, from a theoretical, critical point of view, students are having to work in a really dynamic area with new research, with new understandings of what photographs mean and how they operate in different contexts. Because as mm-hmm. we said, what Rubenstein and Fisher say in, in their seminal text is that, you know, 
there is no single theory of the image anymore. What's the most interesting thing you get to do in your role? So I think the most interesting thing is working with young people and supporting them academically and creatively. Um, and I, as I said earlier, I'm a, a theory specialist, but I do run um, a major practical module as well and obviously work worked as a documentary photographer and a wedding photographer for a number of years so it's it's I think you know working with them on their projects is has become quite a deeply personal things inside a thing in some respects because there's been a sort of shift in the last 20 years from seeing photography predominantly as a way of representing the world around us to students wanting to represent their own experiences within that frame so it may be within a big subject like racism or feminism, but they situate within that particular context and often look at their own experiences and, and how they, they want to represent themselves. And that, again, poses quite a lot of challenges. One being that we don't want students to feel that their experience is invalidated if they don't get a good grade, for example, that they there is a sort of a moving between for the for the lecturer and for the student as well a, a shift between talking critically about photography and theory and actually talking therapeutically and emotionally about one's experience which we aren't we aren't therapists and and they're not clients you know so that that's an interesting kind of area but i think yeah ultimately working with the student is is really really interesting and you know even in the the context of what we've all been through now, there's been a unique, even though it's, there's huge challenges with representing and, and getting a access to, you know, ways of representing. Um, it is also a really unique time in history where the images that they produce will never, that there will never be these images produced again. Um, and, and capturing for the point of historic record, these moments has become so important to a lot of the students. So, you know, they're, they're, we've had the, Kirsten Hacker, who's the leader with me, the BA Photography, is just uh, organises and leads on the Eaton Portrait Prize. And so that is in the process of being facilitated with judges who, who come along and, and make the uh, selection. Um, and we've also got the first years working on a COVID project with the Museum of Archaeology and Anthropology, uh, where the work if selected by the curator and they will have that they have that re ongoing relationship with the curator if selected it will be part of the maa's digital showcase so there's there's certainly opportunities for celebration at the moment so um you've kind of talked about a bit a bit about it there but uh, what projects are you currently working on so in terms of uh the ba photography program yes there is this MA, uh, MAA project where the students are having their work reviewed by the curator um, and that is part of a COVID um, sort of representational project that they're working on and there's the Eaton Portrait Prize. Uh, I think at the moment it's quite difficult to talk about other things because we're still not quite sure if the degree show is going to go ahead and like that's probably yeah. not it should be talked about because it just sounds a bit uh what's the word it just sounds a bit negative because we don't know kind of thing um no, so I, mean, I, th I think we've got a fairly good idea now <laughs> to be yeah, honest we've got, yeah yeah we've yeah, got I one, one ready to go now so yeah there's going to be the digital show, showcase yeah. as well. 
absolutely. In terms, I suppose one thing I could mention is that we're developing Ruskin modules for the second years, which are um, going to be, you know, starting from academic year 2021-2022. And those are all um, very much kind of uh, burgeoning from different research fields. So I've developed one called How to How How Do We Empower Communities with Art? And that works with a local organisation. It burgeons from my research area and students get an opportunity to participate in workshops with the public sector. So it is looking at how participation can support the recovery of people therapeutically. Um, and so we're looking at kind of context like the mental health movement and context such as substance abuse um, and addiction. Uh, recovery and it's looking at how can we as uh, researchers, practitioners, facilitators of projects support these different communities via using art. So it's a quite a cool arts and health initiative um, and it will pilot in a way some of the bigger ideas that are being shared amongst Cambridge School of Art at the moment in terms of how we can kind of uh, support arts and health and 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 students who want to learn about that. And this is going to be a Ruskin module? Yes, yeah, yeah. 20, 20 21, 22. <laughs> That's a really good use for Ruskin modules. Yeah, yeah, yeah hopefully. Okay. And how about in your own personal work? Are you? Yes. I am at the moment currently um, finalising my PhD research, which is um, work, which is a HRC funded uh, project that worked with the NHS and other public services to develop a participatory uh, toolkit, photography toolkit. And it's looking at how therapeutic photography can be employed to support people in mental health contexts. So I worked in mental health contexts with, with people who have experienced mental health issues to um, use therapeutic photography to convey and communicate their experiences. And then that, that those images were used to assess value of that experience. Um, for each participant. Uh, so, so the thesis and the corresponding toolkit should be finalised over the summer. Um, and I'm also, I've also submitted a paper which looks at the way in which uh, social media operates uh, in some instances, how, sorry, how photography operates within social media in some instances where the image uh, shifts into a problem, problematic terrain whereby, and this is the, 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 the sort of hypothesis of the, the research, whereby the, the person taking photographs of themselves ascribes to themselves a form of self-surveillance. And it's looking at how one, how those images function as a way of controlling and at the same time subjugating the, the author but it's all done through their own self-processes, but why that's happening, what they're internalising in parts in, in terms of media um, when when they're doing that. So that that's in for review at the moment. And I've also contributed to a photography book by Dilip Sarka, uh, a great historian. Um, I've contributed forward to his photography book to contextualise some of the work in, in that book. So a few little oh. bits going on at the moment in terms of my academic work. 
And so your PhD research kind of ties into the Ruskin module a bit as well by this. Exactly. Yeah. And we will be the toolkit I'm developing, we will use as part of that. So there is death. So it's a, the, the practice element, which is a design element, is informing what students do in that module. So that kind of answers a little bit the next question as well, which is how does any work you do outside the university tie in with your work at ARU? Yes, so it is that that's so I think I keep answering the wrong questions probably. <laughs> okay. But yeah, very much so. The how do we empower communities through art is very much uh you know looking at the the role of participatory arts and community arts since the kind of 1960s onwards and its alignment with civil rights histories in terms of issues of racism, of um, uh, of uh, uh, feminism um, and of the, the value of critical or holistic pedagogy in liber as a liberatory liberatory practice. I think that's the right word. Um, so thinking about how the arts in terms of its relationship to health can support different types of communities and what students will do on that essentially is learn to facilitate programs so learn about how to get funding how to how to develop a set of objectives that are meaningful to participants that aren't all sort of self um, valued objectives so thinking from the very moment of design through to the process and evaluation of the participant being centered within that approach and then looking at the the kind of space for community arts and, and looking at it as a therapeutic tool but also as a self-advocacy tool so it's very much there's a there's a wide academic scope and framework for supporting actual kind of industry skills in this area um, in terms of what they what they learn so yeah it's perfect perfect for a university context so is the plan that they'll actually carry out these projects as well, or is it for them just to learn how to plan them and yeah, I mean, it's, get those skills? That was the initial idea, but then I found out it's two hours and 12 weeks. So. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Mm, pushing it. I think it, it will be, a, in a sense, I see the Ruskin module as a pilot for maybe a bigger degree in this area, and mm. uh, there's something something that I'm talking to the new managers in the Cambridge School about uh, are about at the moment they are you know because this is a keen kind of area of of um, interest um, in terms of academic um, courses in arts and health so I think it could be it could be a sort of a, 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 a sort of a small um, seed that grows into something much bigger. And um, are you currently working with people in the medical school or, anything, or is that something that you might we be able to do in the future? But I think we need to be doing so much more and they are already yeah. doing lots of kind of arts and health initiatives. Oh, right. But, we, you know, I, there, at the moment, I don't see any connections between us. So I think those, that that should be happening already. That, that, that really needs to happen more. Difficult at the moment, though, for yeah, exactly. I mean, new projects, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, I think the online world has op opened up other opportunities that we could definitely continue to use. I think, but face to face is always great. Mm. <laughs> you can't have an exhibition without face. It's really difficult, isn't it? <laughs> can't have but a party. 
fine. It just doesn't work. <laughs> People are trying. <laughs> no, but it's not. It's not the same, is it? <laughs> and um, so there's just so many areas. This kind of brings up the, the health and photography and just the way that people use photographs online then, then there's the whole aspect of you were talking about what is a photograph and thinking how far can a, an image be digitally altered for it stops being that representation of reality and then you get into fake images completely yeah. and, and things like that yeah 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 exactly it is an incredibly interesting area and when we think and that's what the, the the writer Rubenstein and, and Fisher talk about is this this uh, the way in which images might be posted online in the morning, move into different categories, be categorised under a number of different hashtags, mm. then integrated various mashups, and by the evening it's totally unrecognisable in the sense of what it meant in context to what it now means in another completely different context. And I think you know when we think about the psychological and sociological implications of that as well in terms of the well-being of young people and way in which they internalize images and then replicate them and within the sort of sociological context of how images as you say you know fake news spreads five times faster than than true news because it's more entertaining and interesting is what the local uh, the the recent social dilemma producer said at a very interesting lecture then we've got a big problem with how you know images function mm. operate in these contexts which as as much as it there are you know the, these are issues they also need to be really thought about and analyzed as part of an, an academic dialogue um, that our students write and 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 research mm. is that the kind of um, thing they look at at the moment on the course yes. Yeah, for sure. A lot of what we look at is the ethics of photographing and forming of other people that we are not part of, that we are not sort of connected to in terms of culture or social spaces. So, and how do we do that in a way that is that is um, empower empowering is such a kind of over overused term and it's a problematic term. But how do we do that in a way that's fair and meaningful to them? I think is is as much as we can manage as photographers. But yeah, certainly the ethics of that are very much negotiated within our course at the moment. Okay, is there anything you can tell us about Cambridge that other people might not know, preferably related to photography? Okay, so Ruskin, John Ruskin, who our university is named after, um, the leading English art critic, um, many might not know that Ruskin was one was among the first to embrace photography as a tool for preservation. So people kind of know of him in terms of his, you know, various writings and art critiques. But actually, he very much advocated photography in terms of its value in creating a very accurate representation of different contexts and he was really interested in its use in Venice where he felt that the the buildings and the the restoration of those buildings was problematic he felt that the preservation the whole overall preservation of Venice at the time in which he was writing was was um insecure and under threat um and so his work has a sustainable aspect in terms of how it related to photography. But I also think there's there's one other thing about him which is very relevant for our students. And it's not, obviously we can't prove it, but he did, we know for sure that he had mental health issues and it is 
likely that those were bipolar issues. So in terms of his his plight as a creative thinker um, and as a as a man, I think you know he can inspire our young people in these in these other ways that he's not really thought about as someone with these experiences. So and you know and a lot of us have those experiences. Nowadays, we're well aware of mental health being something that affects us all. So, so I hope that you know the fact that this man had these experiences such a long time ago, and it's something that I know young people experience now. I hope that kind of inspires them to know that you know it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. Um, what's the word? It doesn't have to classify you as this one thing. That you can be all of these other great things, just as, as the great John Ruskin was. Brilliant. That's an, a nice original answer for that question as well. <laughs> <laughs> My dad was the one who's like, you've got to study a bit of Ruskin. And I'm like, well, you know, and then he, he got this, all these materials out and uh, I went to an exhibition and yeah, I mean, always photography and art have always taught me more about the world than, and I always say that I learned more from pictures than anything else. <laughs> it's all about the pictures. <laughs> You're definitely doing the right job. <laughs> Yeah, I think so, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Julia. No worries. Take care Take for now. Care. Bye. Bye. Bye.